The John Morris Show, episode 147. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've just created your account over on Upwork, and you're excited to get started, and you jump over to their little search tool for projects, and you start looking for projects to bid on. And you throw in a search term like, say, WordPress or PHP or whatever it happens to be. And if you've ever done this, you'll know this, but if not, when you do, what you'll see is this massive list of projects. Some of these projects, depending on what your search term is, might be 12,000 projects or 5,000 or 7 or 8 or whatever it happens to be. You see this huge list of projects, many of which have been submitted in just the last couple days or so. And you immediately think to yourself, sweet, there's tons of work, I'm going to be able to find tons of jobs, this is really the thing that's going to allow me to kind of escape whatever you happen to be doing now that has led you to wanting to get into an IT career. And so you start picking through the projects, trying to find ones that are a good fit for you, that are you know decent money, that you think you can deliver on, so forth. And as you do, your excitement slowly starts to fade. Because what you find is project after project with one-line descriptions or de- confuse- confusing requirements or descriptions or projects with a budget of less than $100 or an hourly rate that's $5 or $7 or something really low or it's a cl- from a client who's never actually hired anybody before. And it starts to get a little frustrating. But you press on and you bid on a few of them and as you bid on projects things start to get worse because you'll find that clients don't respond to your bids at all or some of the clients never actually hire anybody. Not just they don't hire you, they don't hire anybody. They just abandon the project or the ones that do hire people always seem to go with the lowest bidder. And as you go through all of this, it's not long before the sinking feeling that you're never going to make any money at this kind of starts to settle in. And it becomes incredibly disappointing simply because of how excited you were, how you thought this could be a way out from whatever it is that you're doing now. And now as you dig into it, start to go through it, it seems like, well, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Now, I know all this and because I can relate to this. My first stint on Elance was exactly like this. and unfortunately, it nearly cost me my marriage. Now, if you're not familiar, uh, Upwork, you know, they used to have two different sites, Elance and Odesk, and then they kind of came for d- together for a while and rebranded, and now it's called Upwork. So Upwork, as you see today, works a lot like Elance used to work, different from Odesk. I was actually never on Odesk, but from what I hear, Odesk operated differently. But what you see in Upwork today is a lot like how Elance used to be. And so, like I said, my first stint on Elance was a lot like that, and it nearly cost me my marriage. Now, fortunately for all of us and for me at that time, there's a simple way around all of this that Upwork can be, well, I'll I'll never say, I'll never try and convince someone that one of these freelance sites is the end-all be-all. 
but it can be a really good source of income and it can be something that can get you started and start to help you build your reputation and expand your career. And so there's a simple way around all of these headaches that you'll find when it comes to actually finding the good jobs and the good clients and will allow you to bid on the absolute best projects first from the best clients. And so that's what we're going to go through in today's show. But before I do that, have you ever worried that you'll never make it as a web developer? I mean, things like you're not, you've, you, you've, have you ever worried that you're not smart enough or that you're too old or that you're somehow cursed and you'll always have bad luck? Just starting to worry that it's never really going to happen for you. Well, if you have, I can tell you that you're not alone in that. I get emails almost every single day from people asking me those exact questions. For people who desperately want to have a career in technology, but are terrified that they don't have what it takes. And here's the real problem. The reason why so many new developers worry about this. I believe, and I think if you look, you'll see that it's because when we first start out in IT and especially web development, we've all been told and we've accepted what I think is a lie. And I think it comes from these self-righteous medium.com, you know, <laughs> the the new shiny language, know-it-all developers who are really more interested in their own ego and their own status a, as an authority and protecting what they have than they are about you or, or giving you the actual information. And they've convinced us that learning web development, well, it has to be hard. I mean, obviously, it must just have to be hard. It's this technical thing that has to be hard and that there's this mountain of skills that you just have to know or you're a noob, duh. Like if you don't know how to ABC or XYZ, then you're not a real developer. You're a script kitty, you loser, that kind of thing. And you've seen these people before. You've seen them on forums, you've seen them in their medium posts, you've seen them over on Twitter doing their little snarky comments and replies and so forth. You've seen these people. Now, the funny thing is, is all of those mountain of skills that these know-it-alls will convince you you have to know or you're a total noob, of course they're their own little pet set of skills that, oh gee, coincidence happen to be the ones that they know, that they're really good at, that they're an expert in. Funny how that works. Anyway, I look at all of it as just kind of self-righteous BS. And I am convinced from my own experience that the list of what you need to learn in order to be a quote-unquote real PHP developer is actually much shorter than what you probably ever thought and what many of those so-called know-it-alls would have you believe. Because if I look at what I actually do on a daily basis, and I think most developers, if they're honest, would probably say the same thing. If you look at what you actually do on a daily basis, it's much more about knowing a core set of fundamentals really, really well than it is 
knowing this massive list of stuff that you might one day use. Because the things that you're going to use over and over and over and over on a daily basis is really kind of a small list. And a lot of the roadblocks and headaches that you might run into in delivering on projects, whether it be a client, a boss, some app you're building, it's often more about not having a full understanding of one of those core skills than it is about some obscure skill over here, way over here in left field that <laughs> you know you may or may you may use once in your entire career. And even if it is about that one thing, often you can learn it very very quickly and then move on with your project. So again, it's it's much more important it's much more beneficial to really know a core set of skills that you're going to use on a daily basis really, really well than it is to know like a hundred different things kind of so-so. But of course, knowing that, admitting that, accepting that doesn't let you be self-righteous like these know-it-alls want to be. If you admit that, you don't get a ridicule all the noobs coming up in web development which is why those know-it-alls will never admit it. And the thing that I want you to get from all of this, why I bring it up, is I just want you to ignore those people. You're going to see them. They're gonna prob- they may at some point say something to you. I get emails every day from some know-it-all that'll hassle me about this, that, or the other. Sometimes it's coding-related. Sometimes it's something completely out in left field. They're all over the place. They'll harass you at some point in your career. And the thing to do is just completely ignore them, not listen to anything that they have to say. Because it's more about them and their self-righteousness than it is about them actually having a point to make to you. Anyway, if you want to see what it takes, if you want to see that short list that I think is the core fundamental set of skills that you need to learn, and you want to actually just take some tutorials to teach you those skills, then head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash php and you can see that full list of skills. You'll see it's really not as big as you probably thought. And you'll learn how you can learn those skills for less than a Big Mac meal at McDonald's. Again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash php. All right, coming up in this episode, in the next segment, we're going to get into how to find the best clients and projects on Upwork and skip that whole mess we talked about at the beginning. Plus, in the final segment, I want to talk about a a motorcycle accident cost Richard his six-figure job, and he wanted my advice. So I'm going to give my advice for starting over in IT at the age of 50, and really is good pertinent advice no matter what age you are. All that coming up in the show. You're listening to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, it's kind of funny. Every time someone uh, joins my email list, I ask them a very specific question. I ask them, what would you say? If I could, if I told you I could teach you how to master PHP in the next few months, and I get a lot of interesting answers. Now I get a lot of people who, you know, they say, "Sign me up. Where do I start? Let's do this." Right? I get people who are a little more skeptical, who say, "Um, it would depend on the details. You know, if it costs, what it costs, etc." And then I get people probably on the most skeptical end who are like, "Well, what does it exactly take?" to master PHP. And all these are really great questions. Now, let me ask you this. 
since you're here listening. What if I told you that you could get started learning everything that you need to know to master PHP, all the foundational skills that are necessary to move you out of maybe that job that you're working right now that you don't really like and just get yourself into an IT career. Oftentimes, people do it making more than they were making before. But even if you could just make the same and start doing it in an IT career as opposed to like I used to do, which was wearing my little chicken costume walling around in Greece all day cooking chicken, imagine if you could learn what you needed to learn, get the foundational skills you needed to start that process all for just seven bucks. What would your answer be? I hope your answer would be a resounding yes. Because I know I'm going to go all keep off my grass old man on you. But I remember what it was like when I was coming up. And the option to get all of that training in one place simply didn't even exist at that time. Unless you wanted to read through a 500-page PHP manual, which I didn't want to do. But today, not only is that option available, but it's only going to cost you 7 bucks to get started. So if you're someone who's serious about learning PHP, about making a career in the IT industry, about getting out of whatever you're doing now that you might hate and getting into the tech industry, you don't have to be a PHP coder forever. That's the thing. You can, If you want to get in all the fancy new stuff, Node and Python, and well, Python's not new, but Django and all this other stuff, all these frameworks and everything that's out there, that's fine. But one of the fastest ways to get out of where you're at now and into a an IT career is through PHP because it's simply the most popular server-side backend language that you're going to find. The job opportunities are huge and there's companies out, out there that are just starving for PHP developers. Clients out there starving for people who can create PHP applications. So again, if you're someone who's serious about making that happen, then I want to encourage you to head on over to johnmorrisonline.com/php you can start taking module one of my PHP course for just seven bucks. So today, skip the latte from Starbucks, head on over to johnmorrisonline.com slash PHP, and let's get started with your PHP career. Hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So anyone who's been on a freelance site has likely experienced this. And as I mentioned at the beginning, my first stint on Elance was no different. And for me at the time, (laughs) struggling with this was a really big deal because I was in a bad spot financially. And I was having trouble holding a job, so I was bouncing from job to job, starting somewhere, working maybe a month, getting really frustrated, and just not able to stick with it and quitting and just kind of bouncing around like that. And you know, as you do that, you start to build up a reputation. And so it was all kind of circling in on me, right? Uh, Bouncing from job to job in what was a small community, people were starting to figure out who I was. And so I'd start to buy at places and they would have heard about me or they'd make a call or two and and they'd get the scoop. And and so it was becoming harder and harder for me to, to get a job even for a month or so. So I couldn't hold a job. You know, my wife at the time was paying all of our bills and her family was kind of on her case about me, uh, calling me a loser. I remember, (laughs) matter of fact, at our wedding, because this had kind of gone on from when we were dating into getting married, 
uh, at our wedding, I had a family member, you know, one of the family members who was really concerned, (laughs) I guess is the word, about her marrying me. And that family member so happened to be someone who, you know, normally gets up at the the wedding and, and speaks. So she took the opportunity to tell me that I was really, 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 really lucky that my wife was choosing to marry me. Basically because, you know, I was a dirtbag. Now, uh, we've come to be good friends now and she's realized that I was probably going through a tough time having just got back from Iraq. So I uh, obviously give her a lot of credit, but <laughs> at the time it was <laughs> it was kind of a a rough treatment. So her and she wasn't the only one. You know, her uh, my wife's a lot of my wife's family was doing that. And so all of that had added up to the point that she was my wife was you know, after we got married and so forth, it was not too long after we'd been married. She was, I think, headed down the path to leaving me. I think she was starting to consider it seriously. And I was at a point where I really kind of needed to get my stuff together. Or I was going to find myself, you know, not only broke and jobless and in a situation that was kind of untenable for me, but also divorced. And so that's where I was when... <laughs> I was trying to get this whole freelance web development thing figured out. It was a really stressful situation, which, by the way, I don't recommend that you do. I recommend as much as possible try to stay at your job that you're at uh, and then figure out this stuff while you're doing that and so you can transition out a little more smoothly because not only is it just really stressful, but it, it causes you to do things that are bad for you. But in all of that, I was able to figure out uh, a method and a way around what I talked about at the beginning of the show, which is the scenario where you go on you know, Upwork or whatever freelance site it is, and you see all of these jobs available and you get excited, but as you start diving into them, you start to realize that you know not every project or job is created equal. And it becomes really, really hard if you just kind of go through the list as it is to find the best jobs, the best clients, find one, ones that will actually pay well and, and don't always necessarily go with the lowest bidder and actually hire people and are actually in line with what it is that you want to do. That can be something difficult to figure out and it can be really frustrating and I think causes a lot of freelancers to just give up right then and there. But like I said, there's a way around this. There's a way to kind of uh, deal with this in a very methodical, systematic way where you can do it you know, consistently. The thing to remember, right? the thing to remember about Upwork or Freelancer or whatever is every single day, there's a whole slew of, of projects that get added to the site. Now, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, Right, but there's a whole ton. If you look at, I'm I'm over there right now, just looking at it. I've done a search for WordPress. Right, so there's a the the top job, which I think has been kind of marked or or, or featured, was posted about an hour ago, but the one under that is 23 minutes ago, 25 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, 33 minutes ago, 36 minutes ago, 36 minutes, 38 minutes, 41. I mean, 
I've just gone through, what, five, ten, or whatever that have been posted within the last half hour. You know, if, if we go all the way through the top 20, looks like the, the 20th one was posted 45 minutes ago. So if you just extrapolate that out, you know, let's say 20 every hour, there's 24 hours in the day. Well, you're talking four or 500 new jobs a day. I would bet some days it's much more than that. So every single day, there's a whole slew of new jobs that are added here. And there are a bunch of crap jobs. And there are a bunch of really, really good jobs that would be a fit for what you do or in your price range or exactly what you're after. And so your job, your number one job before you bid, before, really, I mean, your profile you set up first, but really more important to, than that is separating the wheat from the chaff, the good jobs from the bad jobs. And certainly there are fewer really, really good jobs than there are crap jobs. I mean, that's kind of the nature of, of anything and the Pareto principle, you know, 20% of your income will become or 80% of your income will come from 20% of the jobs. Again, I don't know that that's a hard, fast rule, but that's the principle. And so your job is to find that 20% of jobs, the best jobs out there. And fortunately, Upwork gives you the tools to do that. You just need a method for consistently doing it. But what we're going to go through here today, the, the thing I want you to remember is quite literally every single day, you need to do this. So it's not like you can do this for, oh, I do this the beginning of the month and then that's it for the month. No, there's so many jobs added on a daily basis that you want to pick through. And and so that should be the exciting thing. It's work, but it also should be the exciting thing that if you go through on, say, the first of the month and maybe you only find one really good job, that's okay because there's going to be four or 500 posted throughout that day. And the next day, you might find another really good one, and the next day, another really good one. And before you know it, it can start to add up. Oftentimes, you know, depending on what exactly you're doing, it might only take one job for, for a month for you to find. And so it could be the 29th day of the month, and then you find that job. But the key is for you to be able to find it or find those jobs and then here's the real key for a lot of people who are like, oh, I, I, I get emails all the time. People are like, well, I submitted 10 different proposals or this, that, or the other. My question always is on what jobs? And that's because you should spend, you should find these really, really good jobs and then spend more time on those instead of bidding on 20 jobs in a day, you should maybe bid on two really, really good ones and spend time and work those and try to get those first. Then if as you go throughout the month, you're finding that it's kind of, it's harder and harder to find the really perfect ones. You can then kind of expand and find some that maybe not as good of a fit, but they're still pretty good. And so that's, that's kind of the lead in to the technique. Now, before I get into describing the technique exactly, kind of forgot to mention this at the end of the show. If you're new to the show, okay, what I want you to do, I want to challenge you to take what I call the 10 episode challenge and go back and listen to the last 10 episodes of the show so that you can get up to speed to 
what we're talking about here because I kind of build on the episodes a little bit. So uh, some of this stuff we've talked about in past episodes, so I, I want to challenge you to go back and do that. Do that 10-episode challenge. But the technique, the 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 name I give it, and maybe I can come up with a better name over time, but it, it, it really is the way I think about it, which is circling out. And kind of the analogy or, or the metaphor that I think of when I think about this is you have overlapping pools of potential jobs. And at the very, very center of those kind of that overlap, those concentric circles, think about you know, if you if you throw a rock in a in a in a pond, and how it kind of rip the 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 waves kind of ripple out from where you threw that in the pond. It's the same thing. It's concentric circles, and at the very center of those circles is the absolute best jobs for you. And the way that I define best, and you can feel free to use whatever criteria you want. But I found this to be very effective no matter what niche you're in. So for me, I define best as the three criteria are keywords, clients, and terms. And what that means is the the project type, what it is, is highly related to what you're an expert at. So, for example, you know, a keyword might be WordPress. Let's say you're a WordPress expert. Okay, so you you want to start with that first, doing some sort of sh- search that's highly related to what you do really really well. This is why I always talk about picking a niche and focusing on end results, because this is the way we then go and search for that niche over on Upwork or really you can do this anywhere. But take that start with those keywords. What are the keywords that are related to what I specialize in? So for me. When I was more heavily on Upwork, I would search. I would start with the search "wishlist member" because that was a WordPress plugin, so I knew it was going to be something related to WordPress. If that that, that keyword was in there, it, that specific plugin is what I specialized in, so I obviously would search for that. And then it was a membership site plugin, so I knew it was probably going to be something related to setting up a membership site. So that keyword was my absolute best, most targeted keyword for what I specialized in. So that's what you start with is the keywords. So a job that falls into that tight circle would be one that has that keyword in it. Okay, so you start with the keywords. Next, in my opinion, is the clients. So keywords, clients, terms. You want to find jobs within that keyword phrase for or from the really, really good clients. Clients that you're not going to have to worry about, oh, they're not going to actually hire someone for this job. Or clients you're not going to have to worry about giving you some lame description. Clients you're gonna not going to have to worry about always uh, paying the highest bidder or lowest bidder. Clients you're not going to have to worry about not actually paying you when it comes due. Okay, you want to find the best clients. So you want to find jobs that you're you that are closely related to what you specialized in from the best clients. If you focus on those two things in everything that you do, whether it's on Upwork, whether it's your own website, whatever it is, you're going to be light years ahead of everybody else and you're going to you're going to cut out all of the junk because you're going to cut out everything that you're not really a good fit for. And you're going to cut out all of the just lame, crappy clients that are out there. And there are plenty of them. 
I know I'm not supposed to say that. I know the customers, always, but there are, trust me. And you know this too, if you've done any client work, there are bad clients out there. Sometimes it's just, they're just bad people. Sometimes it's, it's, they're just a bad fit for you, but you want to try and find those ideal clients and Upwork allows you to do that. And we'll talk about that just in a second. The third thing then is the terms. And so the terms are, you know, what the hour, hourly rate is or what the budget is, you know, how long the project is. If it's, they want to try and hire, sometimes you see people want to try or hire, hire someone long-term or it's a short, short one-term project, uh, one-time project, whatever, whatever terms that you prefer. Now, I always preferred one-time projects. I always preferred, uh, I didn't prefer an hourly rate. I, I, I preferred a fixed price budget. You know, those were the kind of projects. And then I had certain kind of income levels that I needed to, to, to meet in order for me to be interested in a project. So that's all encompassed in this idea of terms. And again, Upwork gives you the ability to do that. Right. So again, keywords, clients, terms, and the best projects out there in that the center of those concentric circles are the exact most ideal keywords from the absolute best clients with the absolute perfect terms. Those are the jobs that you should, you should search for first and eliminate everything else. And so as an example over here on Upwork, you know, you can do a, a simple search uh, under the kind of on the search tab here and you can type in your keywords. So you type in your keywords. Now that's going to bring up a whole list. So I do a search for WordPress and I find 5,936 jobs. I'm not going to go through every one of those jobs. Okay. I, I want to be able to, to really hone in on the best ones. So over on the left-hand side, you can see a number of filters. These filters are the key to eliminating all the junk. So you can do it by categories. I, I generally skip that since I'm focusing on keywords, but you can do job type. So I said, I don't really like hourly jobs. So I would uncheck the hourly jobs when I'm starting out. Again, this is my first kind of most ideal projects I'm looking for. That cuts it down from 5,900 jobs down to 2,800 jobs as of today when I'm recording this. Next, you can go. There's an experience level that they're looking for. I usually don't mess with that too much. I I usually come right down to client history. Under client history, this is okay. If the client has never hired anybody, so that's no hires. They've hired one to nine people for projects or ten plus. So again, I'm looking for the most ideal. So I'm going to uncheck no hires and one to nine hires. I'm going to go ten plus hires. Now I'm down to eleven hundred and 38 jobs that are left with that. Now I would go to, uh, we can skip client info for a second because I like to see kind of where we're at with these different jobs. And we can go to budget, okay? So now you can move the slider. Uh, the budget needs to be 50, 100, 250. I'm gonna slide it up to 1,000 and see what we get. And so here you can kind of play around with that one you know, maybe you want more than a thousand, whatever, but I've slid the, the, the budget fixed price from up to a thousand, uh, to a hundred thousand. So any project that is less than a thousand dollars fixed budget, isn't going to show up in this list. And guess what? There's 107 jobs here. Okay. And then the last one is location. I actually have this set for the United States, which again, for me would be most ideal. Cause that's where I'm from. Probably, uh, 
clients who are going to want someone who is fluent in English, etc. That's a benefit to me. But if you could uncheck that, and there's still 197 jobs out there. So I've done the, like the absolute like highest targeting and I can do. Probably the only other thing I could do is under client info, I could click payment verified. And even when I do that, you know, if let, let me turn back on the United States. So I went from 107 jobs in the United States that are fixed price from a client that has 10 plus hires, the payments are verified and the budget is $1,000 or more. That's a really good project, right? That's, I mean, you can't get much better than that, I would think. There's 105 jobs that are available. The, the last, the, the earliest one was posted 12 hours ago. The client has spent $10,000 plus. They're located in the United States. Their payment is verified. The estimated budget for the project is $10,000. Oh, the next one down, estimated budget is $1,100. The client spent $7,500 plus on the site. Next one down is an estimated budget of $1,250. The client spent $1,000 plus. Next one down is an uh, estimated budget of $1,000. And the client spent $25,000 plus. So there's 105 jobs available in the tightest circle. You can't bid on all those jobs. You're just not going to be able to do it. You're still going to have to go through this list of 105 jobs and pick out which ones you're going to spend time on, which ones look like a really, really good fit for you. But now you know that the client has spent money, they've hired people in the past, the budget is above what you want it to be, and it's a fi fixed price project, and it's in line with the kind of stuff that you can work on. You've just eliminated... 95, 99% of all the crap that you normally have to wade through out there and you've honed in on the absolute best jobs. And the the crazy thing is, is if you come back to this tomorrow, you know, you look at when these were posted 12 hours ago, one day ago, one day ago, one day ago, one day ago, three days ago. So the probably the first half of these were posted a, a day ago. Well, chances are, if you come back tomorrow, there's going to be a whole set of a day agos again. So there's going to be even more jobs in here. Some of them will go away because they hired somebody. But there will be a whole slew of new jobs in here. And often, you only need to find one or two or three of these a month in order to meet your income goals. So this is how you get around that sinking feeling of you know one word. None of these, I'm looking at these, none of these have a one-line description. These all look like really good descriptions here. So you're not getting the junk. You've eliminated all of the junk and you've honed in on the absolute best projects that are out there. Now, let's say, so I talked about circling out in concentric circles. First off, really focus in on these tight, this tight grouping here. Spend time on this. You should spend more time trying to get these projects, trying to land these jobs, because these are the these are the clients that you remember. A lot of this is all about prospecting to find really good clients. That's almost more important than the project itself. You want to find good clients. I mean, think about the client on here that has hired that has spent twenty five thousand dollars plus on the site. This won't project uh here from a client that spent twenty five thousand plus. 
Do you think maybe you'd want to get that client to hire you and maybe you could start getting some ongoing work from that client? So it might be worth you going in and you know taking a little cut in terms of what you get paid to to work for this client because they're going to have a ton of future work for you. And that's, you know, that's not the only one. There's there's a client that spent 10,000 plus, one that spent 7500 plus. I'm sure if you went through these you would find clients that have spent as much if not more. So it's as much about prospecting for good clients as it is finding good jobs. And so you really want to spend some time on these projects. You don't want to just blast out a, a copy and pasted you know, response to these. You want to read them. You want to try to understand them. If they give you a website or a company name, go research the company. Find out what they're about. See if they have you know, a vision statement, a mission statement. See if you can work some of that into your response to them to, to really work at landing these really, really good jobs. Okay, so that's the first thing. Spend time on the, find these really good jobs, then spend time on them. It'll be worth it for you in the long run. Don't get caught in this, I got to put out 100 uh, proposals a day or whatever. <laughs> you're just going to be spinning, you're, you're giving yourself more work for nothing. You're, you're making it almost guaranteed that you're going to get a crap job, a crap project. Don't do that. But let's say, that you go and do this and you go through all 105 and none of them are good for you. I mean, let's just say that, or let's just say there were 10 jobs and just none of them were, were good for you. Well, this is where you start to circle out. So you don't just go, oh, well, no filtering. You, you change one of the filters, okay? So one of the filters that I usually, first ones that I change is the client history. So I'll go from... Uh, the client needs to have 10 plus hires to one to nine hires because then I know that they at least have hired somebody in the past and I can look at and kind of get a sense still of, you know, how active they are on the site. So when I do that, when I check the box to now include clients who for, for the one to nine hires, so they've hired one to nine uh, people or, or, or projects, then it it immediately a little more than doubles the amount of jobs. So now there's 220 jobs found. And I can see how much they've spent and I can see what the the star rating for that client is. So, you know, freelancers can give the clients feedback too. So you can see the star rating for the client. And so if I look at the first project, I can see there's the budget's $1,000, but the client has no star rating and they spent less than $100 on the site. Well, Maybe I'll put that one on the back burner a little bit. For the the second client, no star rating, less than $100 spent. Okay, well, maybe I won't start with that one. Next one is a, a 4.99 out of five stars and $10,000 plus spent. Next one is five star rating and $100 spent. Five star rating, $500 spent. A, a five star rating, $1,000 plus spent. Five star rating, $7,500. So you start to get the idea. You can look and assess not just the project, but the client that it's from. And so now you've doubled the amount of projects that are available. But let's say we go through that and, you know, it's still not what we're after. Well, I'm still only looking at jobs in the United States. So let me uncheck the United States and see what we get. Well, now we get 436 jobs found. 
So I'm still separating out probably 90% of the jobs out there, but I've now have 400 and some that are available, ton more pool here. And it's still from, you know, clients that have hired somebody, at least the budget's above a thousand, et cetera. Another thing that's interesting about this location thing is, so if you're someone who lives in, I get a lot of people who live in, you know, a, a foreign country who will contact me and say, it's really hard for me to get work because I'm not fluent in English, et cetera. Well, you know, you can, you can actually search by where you're from. So I actually did this the other day. Now I, if you do a search, if you change this, I'm going to do a search for a country, uh, Albania, right? And now Albania is a place that, you know, is, uh, seems like a small country, maybe fairly obscure, etc. right? There's, uh, I don't know that there's, uh, you know, necessarily a ton of work coming out of Albania, like there is say the United States or whatever. But even if you do that, now you have to, you have to uncheck some of the filters, but let's say you live in Albania and you want to find jobs from other people in Albania, right? Because they speak your, your language or just whatever reason. Well, there's three jobs in Albania from, from clients in Albania that are on here. Now, that's a really, that's just one small country. I would imagine that anybody living in kind of Europe area would be able to, you know, list all of the countries in Europe and probably not have a problem in terms of a language barrier or whatever. I don't live there, so I don't know that, but I would think that you, at least the surrounding countries around Albania or wherever you live, but you can hone this in by even countries so that you can find people who you know, speak the same language. So language isn't a problem. Uh, like it might be if you're trying to get hired someone in the United States, whatever. So for those of you that are in, you know, some of these countries outside the United States or, or, or wherever, there's still ways that you can find projects that are going to be a good fit for you. So use that location, uh, the location box down there to do that. But again, let's say that you go through, you've done all of this. You've you know, you've gone, you've done the keyword search and you've, you've gone through all the filters and so forth. And you're still either not getting hired or you're not finding jobs that are a good fit for you, whatever. Well, then you, you keep circling out and the, we, we talked earlier about the three kind of categories uh, that you really focus on keywords, clients, and terms. Well, you circle out by those same categories as well. So when you circle out, you get less restrictive terms. So maybe instead of a $1,000 budget, you lower it to a $500 budget. Or instead of only taking fixed price jobs, you now include hourly jobs. Or maybe you had initially selected that the, the project length had to be greater than six months. Now you can uncheck that or, or check it, whatever. You can check some of the others so that you'll you'll change those terms, right? So you can look at all the different terms, project length, hours per week, budget, uh, you know, job type, etc. You can look at all of those things and you can loosen the restrictions and that'll pull more jobs into that. So circling out is that's how you circle out. You start with the tightest, most perfect set of criteria. And if you don't find what you're looking for there, you don't get hired for one of those jobs then you slowly loosen it. Uh, until you get something. So again, you loosen it by terms. You can loosen it by clients. 
So instead of all of them having to be 10 plus hires like we did before, you can go one to nine hires. You can even include no hires. Uh, and then the the last one is keywords. We've only literally done one keyword. Let's say you do WordPress keyword and you don't find what you're looking for. Well, you can change the keyword. You can change it to PHP. Or maybe you want to get more restrictive and you want to change it to something like wishlist member. Whatever. You can change those keywords and you literally change. You start all the way back over in terms of the client uh, selections and the, the term selections and filtering. And you circle out on that keyword. And so you just keep doing this until you find a, a niche and a set of terms and a, a group of clients that are ideal for you. Now, if you do this, what you'll find is that you're going to find, you're going to uncover kind of a niche. You're going to uncover a keyword, a set of terms, a grouping of clients where you just you kind of just always seem to be getting work from. It's like you just really kind of own that niche and resonate with that niche. And you'll find that you now start to focus on that particular niche and you can get really, really good at serving that particular niche. And then nice thing is, is as you get hired by those clients, you complete pro projects, you get ratings, etc. You're going to start to create a job history that that is kind of tailored towards that particular niche. And so Upwork and all its algorithms and everything that it does is going to notice that. And so when those clients that have those terms go on and they search for freelancers that have fall under these particular keywords because they can do these same searches on the other side, you're going to start moving up those rankings. And before you know it, you're going to get them inviting you, your ideal clients inviting you to their projects. They'll be finding you instead of you constantly having to find them. You just have to stick with it. And so, again, just focus in on the most ideal clients and then slowly circle out. And you may have to take some eh jobs at first that aren't exactly perfect for what you're after. But as you keep going and as you keep doing it, your history will build up. And you'll start landing more and more of those inner circle jobs. And eventually those clients will start seeking you out. And soon those will be the only jobs you do. And by the way, along the way, you're going to really under, start to understand that particular client. You're going to have a lot of intel on that particular client. And you're going to be able to create a website and, and all sorts of things where you can start to attract those clients outside of Upwork and Freelancer and so forth. And so you'll have a really, really solid foundation then in terms of just consumer intelligence and understanding your client and what you have to offer. You're going to have a really, really good insight that'll serve you for probably decades to come. Something that a lot of other developers never even really figure out. All right, so hopefully that gives you the the method, the the solution to this problem of all the crap jobs that I get so many emails about over on Upwork. There's a way around it. There are plenty of jobs out there and available. And there's a method for you to consistently find them. You just have to do it and then spend time with those projects and trying to land those jobs. Instead of sending out 100 bids or proposals, send out one or two that you really spend a lot of time on and are applying or, or bidding on really, really good jobs from really, really good clients. And remember, 
It's as much about the client as it is the project. Now, you might be willing to take an eh job from a, cl- uh, from a really, really, really good client because that client might have some really, really good stuff for you in the future or they're a client that you just want to be on their radar because they spend a lot of money on the site or they, they have a lot of web development work that they engage in. So be strategic about not only the projects you take, but also the clients you take them from. All right. We're going to take a break, but coming up, when we get back, we're going to get into some of your questions and comments, and I want to get into Richard's story, you know, and Richard's story is something that I really, really relate to because it's something that my own family kind of went to. Now, it wasn't a motorcycle accident, but my dad and my little brother and I were all in an accident, and it completely changed my family's life. And so Richard was in a motorcycle accident that cost him his six-figure job. And he's now kind of looking for a way to kind of get back on his feet and had some questions for me and wanted my advice. And so I'm going to give him my advice, having kind of been through or watched my parents go through a similar thing and and how to start over when you've had a career before and some of the advantages and disadvantages that you'll have and, and the approach that I suggest that you take. Really good stuff no matter if you're in that situation or not, I think this is kind of the way to uh, approach things. So all that coming up after the break. You're listening to John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community. That there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these foundational skills, and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable. When you can complete a, a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the, in the first place. Instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course. The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash 
Learn PHP. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learn PHP. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. So I got this message from Richard over on YouTube the other day. This is actually a private message, not a comment. So he said, hey, man, I've been watching your videos trying to figure out how to get into web design. Your intro to your courses uh, struck home with me. You said your dad was in an accident and ended up in a wheelchair, which is true. My dad, my little brother and I were in a car accident when I was eight years old, and it part of my dad's spinal cord was severed. And from that point on, he was what's called a high functioning paraplegic. So a lot of people, when they think of paraplegic, they think of, you know, someone who's in a chair, they can only move um, from their neck up. And, you know, they have kind of one of those chairs where they have to like hit the little thing with their mouth and so forth. Right. That's, that's kind of what you think of. My dad wasn't quite in that situation. He was what's called a high functioning paraplegic. So Basically, he had no feeling in his arms and legs or kind of stunted feeling in his arms and legs. I remember uh, at one point after the accident, you could stick a needle in his leg and he wouldn't even feel it. But he had kind of stunted feeling and he had to take medicine to keep from his nerves like firing erratically. But he uh, shortly after the accident got to the point where he was able to walk. You know, he could still move his arms and, and paint, but he had it was just, you know, it was different than than before. And. Eventually took a toll on him to where he, as he got older, he's kind of now had to get back into, he's in a wheelchair and so forth and has been for, for a while now. But anyway, so he said, your dad was in an accident up in chair. I was put in a chair by an accident now and paraplegic after being in the construction industry my whole life, working my way from grunt all the way to commercial construction manager Then at age 41, when I was on top of the world making six figures, I had a motorcycle accident. Now at age 50, I need to start over. I'm done crying in my beer and could use a hand. I made a handful of websites using WordPress and really like creating the sites. I'm just getting started, so any help or guidance would sure help. And so again, I can really relate to this because my dad was a plumber, so it was kind of a construction-related industry. He made his money, you know, using his hands and his body uh, and... You know, he had a successful business. I'm told, I, I was so little at the time, I don't remember, but I, I'm told by my brothers that it was about a $3 million a year business. And then we got in this accident and he couldn't do that kind of physical labor anymore. Uh, there were, you know, some mistakes he made insurance-wise. So he ended up having a ton of medical bills. He had some bills from his business, you know, some loans that he had taken out that he was paying off. But now that the business had gone belly up, he had these loans out there that he owed and just a big mess. And so it really kind of destroyed our lives at that point. My mom had to go back to work and became our breadwinner. And just, you know, I've talked about how my life was rough as a kid. It's basically from eight years old on because before that, you know, my, my parents were doing okay. And my dad was slowly building this business. But after that accident, things just completely changed. So and I've watched kind of what they went through, and I I, I know it sucks. Uh, to to nobody really thinks that in their life that they're going to get in some sort of accident that's going to take away how they make their living. Right? Nobody just imagines that that's going to happen to them. It happens to other people. 
So I can I can relate to that. And so I, I do want to I have some things advice wise, having seen that and then also web being in web development that I want to uh, want to share with you. And again, I think this no matter what the situation is, this is good advice. So first off, I want to talk about what are your advantages, because I think a lot of people would look at this situation and just say, well, shoot, you know, this guy's screwed. <laughs> And that's not actually the case in my mind because you have some advantages that you might not be fully recognizing. So the first advantage that you have, which I think probably trumps everything else, even the maybe not having the physical ability like you used to have. And that advantage that you have is that you understand what it takes to be successful. You've gone from, as you said, from a grunt all the way to a commercial construction manager. Now, this is a commercial construction manager, not a residential. I've worked commercial construction. Now, I don't know about your company and what you did, but when I worked commercial construction, the the site manager, that was a dude that had been with the company for years and years and years and really knew his stuff and was probably managing... 30 or 40 people, all sorts of subcontractors, you know, had all sorts of crazy stuff. We always had like these big, tall skyscraper cranes on the projects we worked on and all just all sorts of stuff going on, you know, pages and pages and pages of blueprints, etc. Like it's a complicated position to be in managing a ton of people trying to bring this project, which is usually this big, you know, a hospital or or maybe it was a restaurant or like a complicated thing together. It's not some small, simple thing. And so to work your way all the way up from a grunt to a construct commercial construction manager, you know, that takes something that doesn't just happen to everybody. And I would guess that there's things that you learned along the way in terms of how you needed to be, your work ethic, you know, learning, you know, whatever, managing people, etc., that you had to learn in order to get there. So remember all of those skills. Those skills are just as ap- ap- applicable as a web developer as they are as a, a construction manager. Those things are just as important doing IT as they are doing construction. So you have a huge advantage in that regard. Because you've been through it, you know what it takes. It's going to take the same stuff. Now it's just a different thing that you're doing. So that's a huge advantage for you. Also, I would, again, guess, just based off my experience in construction, that you've had some interaction with clients before. You know, that you've had clients come down to a job site or you've had to go to meetings where you and your bosses and then the clients were there. I would guess. Even if not, you've had experience with working with whoever your boss was, right? And you've had experience working with the people that worked for you. So you have people experience. And so you have an understanding of the mindset of, you have you really have the, the mindset of both sides of being a client uh, or uh, of the client experience because you've been on that, the one side of fulfilling client commitments in kind of a high energy, high expectation environment. Well, it's going to be the same in web design and web development. So all that stuff is going to serve you. 
And then you've kind of been on the other side where you really weren't in IT at all. You know, a lot of people that get in IT maybe do it when they're when they're young, and so they've spent their whole lives in it, and they don't understand how people who aren't maybe technically savvy think. You've probably spent a lot of time doing something else that wasn't really uh, in, involved with technology, information technology. So you have some idea of that mindset. Again, all that stuff serves you. All that stuff is going to be pertinent and important, often more important than your actual technical skill. The third advantage that you have then is you're likely because you're older at 50, you know, you've had a full, you've had a career before, you're likely more mature, more reliable, and more convicted and sure and certain about what you're doing. So again, all of that stuff is going to be important and be an advantage for you in IT, in web development. So don't underestimate those things. Now, some of the disadvantages that you have, well, one is time. I mean, it's just a reality. At 50, you don't have as many years to kind of mess around with it as someone who's 20. Now, again, I think whatever age you are, you should really be focused on speed and getting where you want to go as fast as possible. But for you especially, time is an issue. So that's a disadvantage for you. The second one, I don't know, but it could be kind of mental roadblocks or issues. And by that, I mean you know, falling off the horse like that or, or having it taken from you like that, having watched my dad go through it, it can be really, really hard and can really mess with your head. And you know, for a lot of years, my dad did some really dumb things and it was because he didn't understand how to handle what had happened to him. That he didn't recognize that at some point he just had to move on. And again, that can sound cold and callous because, you know, the situation that you were in sucks. But it's also the reality, right? There's no going back and stopping it from happening. It's happened. The only thing that you can do now is move on. And so there could be some roadblocks and, and some a tendency to kind of feel sorry for yourself a little bit. Not that it's not justified, like I said. But it doesn't serve you. It doesn't help you in any way. It does nothing for you to get you to where you want to go. Like you said, you're done grinding your beer. Well, be done. Be done permanently and move on. You know, My dad never really did that and he suffered the rest of his life for it. So let me try and, you know, and he's in his 70s. So let me try and speak to you from having seen it with someone else. You have to move on. Otherwise, you're going to be relegated the rest of your life just crying in your beer, basically. The final thing, then, is maybe some potential. I bring this up because I've heard it. haven't really seen it a ton, but some maybe some age discrimination. And I don't mean the, the social justice warrior type discrimination. I mean just people who might look at you differently because you're a little bit older in terms of you know, what most web developers are. They might think that you're not up on all the latest technology and so forth. And so it's your job to overcome that. Now, you can flip that on its head. You know, there's a great line from Ronald Reagan when he was running for president. I don't, uh, I don't know verbatim, but I'll basically paraphrase. But the he was in a debate, and the person he was debating against was younger than him. And the moderator asked him something about his age. And he said, he said you know, I would never use... 
you know, my opponent's immaturity and lack of experience against him or something like that. So he was basically flipping the whole idea of age on its head. He was saying, I would never use his youth and inexperience against him. And so that's really what you need to do. Like people that might look at you and, and be less likely to hire you because of your age, you want to flip it on that, on its head and, and, lean on the idea that you're more mature. You've had a career before you understand what it means to deliver and be reliable and so forth. And so your age is actually a benefit. And you of course would never want them to discriminate against some, somebody who's young and youthful and has no life experiences and is kind of naive. You wouldn't, you know, you flip it on its head like that. Everything can be kind of spun that way. I know a lot of us hate politicians who spin things, but it can be really advantageous for you in marketing yourself. All right, so those are your disadvantages. So all of that to build up to what I think are your keys, the keys to you being successful with this. And the first one is you need to be really efficient with your time. You need to not waste a bunch of time on really frivolous things or things that don't matter. And I'll go back to what I always, I've laid out time and time again, are the three keys to speed when it comes to learning how to code and learning web development. One is an integrated program of instruction. So instead of haphazard tutorials all over YouTube and wherever, an actual integrated program, a package designed to teach you something specific, you'll likely have to pay for those, but it's often well worth it in terms of what you get in terms of speed as opposed to you know it taking you much longer if you just try and always focus on free stuff. So an integrated program of instruction, building real stuff as you learn. So that's why I always advise people take clients as soon as possible and, you know, focus on a small niche of a thing that you know you can deliver and try to find clients for that thing. You won't get uh, enough work to necessarily buy you a mansion, but you'll start earning income. You'll start working with clients. You'll start building up a reputation and it'll help you learn faster. And then the third thing is to find a mentor. Somebody who's in the industry who knows a lot about it that can kind of guide you. All right, so those that's the first key is to be really efficient with your time. The second one is you especially cannot get lost in this big list of skills fairy tale. Now, as a construction manager, you know that a lot of your clients probably really didn't care about how you mixed the, the concrete or what brand of nail gun you used. I mean, they might look at it, but they didn't really care they only cared of it in terms of the outcome, right? That the outcome was going to be better. They weren't geeking out on the the details. So again, that's something that you need to 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 recognize and realize. And you need to leverage your maturity to not get lost in learning and focus on delivering end results. So don't get enamored with learning things like so many web developers do. It's exciting to learn how to do stuff with the web. But you can't get so enamored with it that you just keep going on learning and never actually get a commercial focus. You need to focus on delivering end results. And hopefully that kind of thing with your experience should come natural to you. And then finally, using your relationship or interpersonal skills. So again, you may not have interacted with clients directly, but you had employees, you had a boss, you know, to get a managerial position, you usually have to have on some idea of the importance of relationships. You need to have some skills at maneuvering those relationships. 
You need to be a people person in in some ways. So again, all of those skills are going to be really, really important in web development. So use those. They and your maturity and your experience, I think, are your biggest advantages. So you need to make sure and maximize those to overcome what might be disadvantages in other areas. Focus on your strengths. Don't spend waste a bunch of time trying to fix what you might perceive as negatives. Try and really leverage your strengths and you'll get a lot further that way. All right, so that's my advice for for Richard and for anybody else in that situation or just anybody else really going through kind of getting into web development. I think all of these these lessons are pertinent as well. All right, that'll do it for the show. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, be sure to like it or please leave me a review over on iTunes. That helps me get more exposure for the show. So I'd really appreciate that if you would do that. Uh, if you know you know somebody who would benefit from hearing this, I'd appreciate if you'd share it with them. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time.